Proof that anyone can have a sports show. Wow. <laughs> Electric booyah bass right from Jump Street. Adam Crowley. What's up, players? On ESPN Pittsburgh. Nobody is here except for us. It's a holiday weekend, which means that the Crowley Show is here, and that's what you're listening to. Hey, your mom does too. 412 922 is the number. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina is here, as he always is. Shirtless Tom is here, as he always is. I know Madden's downstairs. I think I saw DJ Scottro. Every other person in the building cannot be characterized as such anymore because every other person who should be in the building is out of the building, and I'm guessing most of them are three sheets to the wind. And they got out of here like 1 o'clock today. I mean, I make them all the money, and they're out playing when I get a new radio show. It perturbs me. But I think that also might be jealousy creeping in. Okay, maybe it's a lot of jealousy. All I know is that I'm never getting out early. It's not who I am. It's not our show. It's not who we are. We will not be doing a show on Monday. Do you hear the Penguins want to trade Phil Kessel? Our friend Mark Madden from 105.9 The X reported that on his show yesterday. I have absolutely no reason to doubt him as he is tapped into the Penguins like almost nobody else in this town. Ron Cook, who I do question a lot of the time, wrote a column ripping Phil And he never does something like that unless he's got a good reason to. So, it ain't a coincidence that these things are happening around the same time. Don't blame the media. Mark's taking a lot of heat. Ron Cook's taking a lot of heat. If you want to keep sending it his way, fine. I'm okay with that. But this ain't the media's fault. This isn't time to shoot the messenger. If you're mad that the Penguins are going to trade Phil Kessel, be mad at the Penguins for saying, at least internally, and it leaked out, that they're going to trade Phil Kessel. Someone or multiple sources want you to know that Kessel could be a goner. And according to Mark, Phil reportedly wouldn't mind getting out. Here's why. He wants to play in a line with Malkin and doesn't want to have to be the big boy player on his own line. That should irritate you a little bit. You should want to see Phil Kessel do what's best for the team, and maybe what's best for the team is playing with Malkin, but Mike Sullivan seems to think otherwise, and Mike Sullivan's won 9 of 10 playoff series. I'm going to side with that guy. I'm going to side with the organization. I'm going to side with the team. Although I can't say that I blame Phil Kessel. As he is a 90-point scorer in this league, he wants to play with the big boy players all the time. The Penguins feel as though Phil put his Iron Man streak ahead of the team and didn't play well enough in the playoffs because of it. So, again, let's not rip the messengers here. How would you feel if they did it? It's real simple. What do you think? How would you think if the Penguins got rid of Filthy Phil? The Penguins don't have a problem scoring goals. They did in the playoffs, but that was more about the health. They would bring in another top six winger in addition to Daniel Sprong if Phil Kessel was moved out. Maybe it's Michael Grabner. Does that turn you on a little bit? He can skate fast. He can play on lines one through four. Hmm, maybe he's the fit. Perhaps the player comes in return for Phil. Either way, I think the Penguins will be fine up front next year because they'll have Crosby and Malkin and Broussard and Shea as their four centers. That's pretty damn good, along with Horny, Haglin, Gensel, 
Sprung, Rust, Sherry, and Aston Reese. Those are some pretty good forwards. That ain't their problem. The problem in the playoffs with that unit this year is that the third-line center was hurt and couldn't produce. That's going to anchor down, hold down, your third-line's production. And the other issue is that Malkin was coming back from injury, hurt in the second round, and wasn't the same player when he came back. Scoring will not be the issue. Trust me, peeps. So maybe in return for Phil, they get a D-man. Or they get a forward and use some cap space to get a better middle or bottom pair guy. I'm not totally against this, even though I think Phil is a great dude and an excellent hockey player. The downside is that the Penguins didn't win one Stanley Cup after 2009 without Phil Kessel. Maybe he was the missing link. And if he's healthy next year in the playoffs, then maybe that's all you need to get back to the promised land. If Phil Kessel played better this time around, would they have beat Washington? Maybe. Here's my take. You can have fun in a relationship, but then when it's time to break up, you can say, it's all good. We can still be friends or not. It'll be okay. The sex was great. We had a lot of fun, but we've run our course. Or you can say, let's have a few more months of fun before you head off to college or your new job or what have you. We can make it work for a little while longer. If the Pens keep Kessel, then it's more than fine. He scored 92 points last year. If he's healthy, he can help the team win. If they trade him, then I fully trust Jim Rutherford in being able to get a solid return. This is all to say, Pittsburgh, relax. It will all be okay. One way or another, the Penguins should still be cup contenders next year. Shirtless Tom brought this up in our show meeting today, which he was on time for. If you want a dynasty... You have to be friggin' ruthless. The Patriots don't care what your name is. They will treat you as a commodity. The Patriots don't give a damn if you're Randy Moss. They will trade you, or they will use their magical gypsy New England Patriot powers and turn you into three white wide receivers. They don't care who you are. Landon Collins, see ya. We don't need you. Donta Hightower, eh, you got hurt. We'll move on without you, and we'll still go to the Super Bowl. The Patriots don't care, and they still get it done. On the other hand, the flip side, the Blackhawks, am I allowed to say that on the radio? All they tried to do is go back to the future. Let's bring in the old guard, and let's see how that works out. Here's how it worked out. They didn't go to the playoffs. Meanwhile, the bread man, Artemi Panarin, was the best player for Columbus in their first-round series, and would they get back? Brandon Saad, who's a good sidecar player but will never be a star. Panarin, yeah, star. They wanted to get everything back the way it used to be, and you saw how it brought them down. If you want to win, all you need are the key components, I think, and a hell of a coach. New England, key component, Tom and Brady. Key component, hell of a coach. The Penguins have a hell of a Boston coach, Mike Sullivan. And they've got Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and Eric Broussard and Riley Shane all down the middle. And they're going to have Hornquist and Sprong and Gensel, who, by the way, is God's gift to American hockey. They'll be fine without Phil Kessel. Maybe it is time to cut bait because maybe that's what makes the Penguins better next year. But if you want to have a dynasty, if you want to be something truly great, got to change it up. You can't say, oh, we're just going to 
stay status quo. Think about the Warriors. They went out and they got Kevin Durant. Doesn't look great right now, this year. Although they're going to win that series. They added to what was already thought to be a dynasty. These Penguins could get rid of Phil Kessel to add to their dynasty. Dynasties are ruthless. And the Penguins might have to be. And maybe not just about Phil Kessel. We'll talk to Vince Commonal coming up from the point of Pittsburgh at 5 o'clock. Matt Geico will weigh in on all this in about 11 minutes here on the Crowley Show. I understand hockey history. I mean, I'm going to feel good if the Capitals win the Stanley Cup. Ovechkin winning the Cup is great for the game. Oh, it's good for the game. But I have no reason to actively root for that to happen. Tim Benz and I talked about that on the show yesterday. The Golden Knights winning is great for the game, too. And I do want to watch that happen. So that's what I will be rooting for. Anybody rooting against the Golden Knights because they got too much or have arrived too early? Get a flippin' grip, buttheads. The league's enjoying some good ratings. They really are. They were up 9% in the conference finals this year as opposed to last year. Best number in three years. Vegas has a lot to do with it. Their ratings were second best behind only Pittsburgh's throughout the entire country this year for the playoffs. You think Vegas gave a rat's ass last year? No. So they stole another market by giving them good players. This cannot be viewed as bad for the league under any circumstances. Now, maybe the GMs don't love it because they kind of look like dum-dums. But fans who want to see the game grow, love it. Or you should. League executives love it. You don't think that Gary Bettman went from 6 to midnight when Vegas got into the cup final? You don't think he got a little hot and bothered? You don't think his pants got a little sticky? How far can I get to the line? No one's here today. What are they going to do to me? Yeah, walk right up to it. I'm going to walk right up to it. A little gooey in the pants? Gary Bettman? Why not? Vegas had a lot to do with the growth in ratings this year. And the league set them up to be successful, and then bang. And they were more successful than anybody could have imagined. And you know what? Bettman's excited. The owners have to be excited because the league is growing. More money's going to come in. This is excellent. As for Ovechkin and the Capitals, of course I want to watch this final. It's going to be hella entertaining. Ovechkin and the Caps trying to break through against the franchise that is breaking through in their first year. That is awesome theater. Not to mention George McPhee, who didn't take Washington to a final, save for 1998, but that wasn't his team, actually took Vegas to the final to meet Washington. Oh yeah, and there's that whole Marc-Andre Fleury thwarting Alexander Ovechkin thing. I can't wait for Monday night. Although I will, because it's a three-day weekend, and I'm going to get hammered starting tonight. You want to know what compromise looks like? Look at my marriage. Just kidding. It's the NBA. Is the NBA run better than the NFL to the players? Yes. When Sterling Brown, who is a rookie for the Milwaukee Bucks, was tased by police officers, did the Milwaukee Bucks go all wishy-washy and talk about what a tough job being a cop was? Or did they look at the facts and speak the truth? I'd say the latter. 
quote, this is their statement, the abuse and intimidation that Sterling experienced at the hands of the Milwaukee police was shameful and inexcusable. Sterling has our full support, and he shares his story and takes action to provide accountability. Unfortunately, this isn't an isolated case. It shouldn't require an incident involving a professional athlete to draw attention to the fact that vulnerable people in our communities have experienced similar and even worse treatment. Incidents like this remind us of the injustices that persist, and quote, holy crap! That's an NBA team admitting that there's actually a problem. Wow, what a novel concept. The NFL never did anything like that. Is the NBA better at this than the NFL? They don't allow players to stand during the anthem. But Adam Silver allowed players to wear the, quote, I can't breathe t-shirts. Donald Sterling, the racist owner of the Clippers, was forced to sell his team. NBA coaches like Stan Van Gundy, Greg Popovich, and Steve Kerr routinely complain about the president and moral and political issues without any recourse from the league as does LeBron James and a litany of other players. The NBA can get away with making players stand for the anthem because they know that they have their league's blessing to get their message out. That is real compromise. Don't kneel, and you can say and do what you want. At no point has the NFL even acknowledged police brutality. At no point has it been said that the players might have a point. Players feel like they're being listened to but not heard. It's just token listening. And saying that they can stay in the locker room during the anthem isn't because the league is really hearing their message, but it's just as a way to guard against the backlash of the kneeling. The NFL ain't trying to compromise. They're trying to play both sides. The NBA is using empathetic language, and in its understanding dialogue, has brought itself enough equity here in asking its players to stand for the anthem. Real compromise is give and take. The NFL is trying to take everything while masking their true intentions. The NBA allows players and coaches to mouth off and send messages, just not at the anthem. The NBA ain't perfect, but they got it right with their players. 412-922-2874. Art Rooney II talked to a couple of reporters yesterday. Here's a quote. But I don't think that it's complicated to interpret what kind of action manifests a protest, end quote. Players want to be told in black and white what they can and cannot do. There are laws in this country. Why? So we know what we're supposed to do and what we're not supposed to do. When I drive through a red light, I know I could get a ticket. Will I take the risk anyhow? We shall see. Yes. But I know the rule. NFL players just want to know the rules. And if you think it's obvious what constitute something that should be disciplined okay fine but what's the discipline because that's also vague as all get out too the players don't know what they're being punished for what they can be punished for and they don't know what said punishment's going to be for their actions what if a player does raise his fist should he expect a four-game suspension roger goodell's allowed to do anything according to number six that rule and the stupid policy the nfl put out there so while I really like Art Rooney II and the family and the Steelers and a lot of the things that they stand for, I don't agree with him there. Let's lighten up just for a second here. Unsponsored Twitter poll going to go up during the break. Favorite cookout foods? Main course, dogs, burgers, kibasi, ribs, or pork shoulder that Brian added, which is just going to blow everyone else out of the water. Hey, he's just going to destroy it. 
And then there are side dishes. Baked beans, potato salad, coleslaw, corn on the cob, or mac and cheese, which Brian added and I feel like is going to blow everyone else out of the water. Come eat with me this weekend. Come with me and you'll see. It's a world filled with all the meat that you want. Uh, that's gonna come. That's gonna come back to bite me at the end of the year. That's uh, gonna be one of the worst things I've done on the show. That's gonna be audio. I will not tell you what I'm voting for just yet. You'll have to wait until 4:40 for that. Oh, I figure you as a kibasa man. I mean, you don't have to say, but I, I think you got a little kibasa in you. I do like the wiener. Coming up next, Matt Geica. Let's talk about everything. It's a Crowley show. Hi, Tom Bodat. Scientists tell us that Earth is overdue for a huge solar flare. Bad news, it'll probably fry our electronics and technology. Good news, we'll all get a spectacular tan. Well, a good place to hunker down for the looming sun apocalypse is Motel 6. You'll get a great low rate on a great room under a roof and save more for other stuff like sunscreen or a nice big hat. Well, I'm Tom Bodet, and we'll leave the light on for you. Or maybe not. Tom. Yeah. Who was your favorite Beatle? <laughs> That's an off-the-wall question. Mm. Ringo. I was going to say Dung. Oh. I'm not familiar with his work. What, what instrument did Dung play? Poop. As I promised on the unsponsored <clears throat> Twitter poll, I was going to put up the best cookout food. Side dishes category, baked beans, potato salad, coleslaw, corn on the cob, mac and cheese. Main course, dogs, burgers, kibasi, ribs, and pork shoulder. And right before I tweeted it, Chris Muller tweeted it, which tells me two things. Number one, not that great of an idea. But number two, whose list is better? So as we talk to Matt Geica who writes for every website in town, I am going to ask on Twitter whose list is better, mine or Chris Muller's. I do like Muller. If I had to pick one person on that station across the street that i like to be him, it really would. He's good at his craft. Nice guy. Super liberal. His, his barbecue, uh, or his Memorial Day yeah, food. it's pretty light. Yeah, it leaves a little... Yeah, it was pretty light. Yeah. Not good at that. I'm not a liberal. Matt Geica joins us now on the show. Geica, favorite cookout food... Side dishes category. Baked beans, potato salad, coleslaw, corn on the cob. Go. Baked beans. Yes. Next question. Me too, pal. I'm a big baked beans guy. My wife, not so much, because I will just be ripping them all night long. But <laughs> yeah, good point. I do good like point. baked beans. As for the main course, dogs, burgers, kibasi, or Brian's contribution, which is pork shoulder, which I think belongs in like a different category, which is main, main course. Like, you would go to someone's house for pork shoulder. If I said I was having people over to grill and I was having beer, people would come over and eat dogs, burgers, and kibasi. I think pork shoulder should win in a landslide. What do you think? Yeah, pork shoulder, that almost feels like cheating, right? That's a little too fancy for my taste, for my blood, for the people that I usually hang out with. My typical type of stuff is what you listed there, and I would put kielbasa, number one, with a bullet. I'm Polish, so I'm biased in that one. Do you pronounce it kibasi or kibasa? 
It's my understanding that kielbasa is singular and kielbasi is plural, so um, I don't know which way you want to go with it, I suppose, in this case. When you're hanging out with your family, do we say you're the guy keys or the guy cuz? <laughs> we do not, but we're not comparing apples to apples here at all. How aren't we? <laughs> we are people. That's uh, There are different plural rules for people's last names compared to... Like words like kielbasa, kielbasi, which are in a different language altogether. The Geikies are coming over for kielbasa. I did that all wrong. Matt Geika joining us here on the Crowley Show. Okay, Geiks, if the Penguins were to trade Phil Kessel, yes, y- yay or nay? Uh, should they or will they? Should they and should will they? they? Uh, it's hard to say they should, right? Because I feel like he's coming off of his best season. If you're just looking at it from that outside perspective, I don't think he's had a better year where you could say the body of work was there in the regular season. The postseason, now who knows? That's where it's a game of he said, he said. And um, I don't know if, if Phil was hurt more than the Penguins are letting on or, or not. So we'll have to leave that up in the air, and I haven't been able to get any real information on that from anybody. So we'll let that go. But there, there's enough smoke here where you wonder uh, how big of a fire is it behind the scenes with Mike Sullivan perhaps not trusting Phil to give him the, the real scoop on how hurt he is or how he's feeling. So there's definitely a breakdown of trust somewhere in there. And if it's, if it's bad, if it's irreparable, then it would be wise to at least explore a deal. But I don't believe it is irreparable. I feel like that would be uh, – we, we'd have heard more about this than just in the last three weeks if it were that bad. I am so split here. If the Penguins keep Kessel and Kessel's healthy and produces the way he did the first couple of years in the playoffs, then they've got a really good chance to win the Stanley Cup. If they trade Phil Kessel, I trust Jim Rutherford to be able to bring in the pieces that can either replicate what he brought or add something else to the table, and I still think that they'd compete for a Stanley Cup. This isn't to say that I don't think Phil Kessel's incredibly valuable. In fact, they don't make the playoffs this year without Phil Kessel having the performance he did, but I'm actually not as amped up or, or aggravated as I thought I'd be whenever I first initially heard the report. I think it goes back for me. Three years ago, I thought if the Penguins get one or two good seasons out of them, it's, it's a good deal, and I believe they have gotten that, whether it be in the regular season or in the, or in the playoffs. So for me, they're at uh, the gravy point of, of the Phil Kessel acquisition now, so I don't feel like they, they have to hold on to them um, beyond reason here. They don't have to force it if, it's just not working anymore for whatever reason. So that informs it, too. I, I'm, I'm taking it as a Phil Kessel experience, if you will, and, and they've definitely cashed in on that. There's no doubt. They have. Do you think that under any circumstances they would trade both Phil Kessel and Chris Letang in the same offseason? Uh, no. I, I think I agree. one of those is enough. And if they had to roll someone over um, and, and just say, all right, he's going to be better next year, um, maybe it's Latang. I don't even know which one would be the better bet to bounce back at this point because they're both at a similar stage um, in terms of age and, and where, they're, where they're at in relation to their primes. But um, uh, Latang just never looked himself at all last season. It was a, a case of a different type of a player it looked like too. So um, if you're trying to sell to a different team and say, yeah, he'll, he'll be fine next year, maybe Kessel's the better bet. Maybe that's the guy that that you could get better value for. So that's always the catch-22 with these trade situations, right? 
It absolutely is. Matt Geica joining us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Matt, what do you think about the anthem stuff? Do you have any opinions, I'm sure you do, on the policy that the NFL is attempting to enact? I do. Well, first of all, to hear Art Rooney the second talk about it, it feels like Roger Goodell pulled the wool over our eyes the other day when he said it was unanimous or insinuated that it was, and then Rooney says there wasn't even a real vote. So, Well, that's why, to me, and, and sorry to cut you off, Matt, I am, okay. it, it perturbed me. When Art Rooney II was standing right next to Roger Goodell, as he said it was unanimous. I didn't like that. Yeah, it feels like we're being not lied to necessarily. Well, maybe it is a, a lie, not a, not a major one, because the policy is still the policy at this point, and, and that's the most important thing. Uh, but this stuff matters. It matters to the Steelers, right, if they feel like their owner has their back or not. It matters to any other team out there or any other player out there who feels like he should have the right to protest or not. If I'm the NFL, though, I feel like this, uh, if I'm working for the NFL, I feel like this is a dumb move for the brand. Um, I'd rather they just try to run and hide and pretend like this problem didn't exist than enact this policy, which will just cause more angst, I think, and Mm -hmm. will cause more players to be upset at the league and feel like the league doesn't have their best interests as human beings in mind if they already didn't have a doubt uh, about that because of the nature of football and, and the way that business goes generally. So this feels like a step backward for the NFL. Either go one way or the other, and it almost feels like they try to do um, a little bit of both, and I don't think they advance their cause one bit. They didn't, and isn't it very similar kind of to what the Steelers tried to do back in <laughs> Chicago? The Steelers said, let's not offend anyone. Let's keep everybody inside so that nobody can see us kneeling down, or nobody can see division within our ranks. We want to be the unified cause, and their intentions were pure. I liked their idea, but then it all went to hell. I'm not sure the NFL's, in fact, I know that their intentions aren't pure, but at the same time, it's kind of what they're trying to do. They're trying to pick and choose. They're trying to please everyone, and it's just not going to work. I thought it was going away, man. There was like seven people at the end of last year who were kneeling down. It was going to fade away. It wasn't in my consciousness. I wasn't thinking about it. It wasn't in the forefront of my mind, and now it's in the forefront of everybody's mind. Doesn't it strike you as there were maybe a group of politicians out there who in the midterm election year were thinking, well, we don't want this to happen. We don't uh, want this to pop up again. And, and they got a little too antsy about it. They, they pushed certain people with the NFL, and then the NFL was knee-jerk about it, too. I'm with you. I, I felt like it was over. It's not over completely. At least it wasn't going to be a major story. And now, of course, week one, we'll all be talking about, well, who's going to stay in the locker room, uh. who's not. It, it's... Um, well, for people like me and you who prefer to talk about the sports, in addition to uh, the cultural things are interesting, but this feels like it had been um, exhausted <laughs> in terms of, uh, of interesting ways to, to angle it. It, <laughs> it. it was, and now it's back, and everyone's recycling their old takes. Uh, save for me, because I am the nuanced king. Matt Gunka joining us here yeah. on the Crowley Show. You mentioned the midterms. I'm not all that... I, I might go the other way on that where certain politicians who wanted to come out against the NFL one way or another wanted this all to happen. I think Donald Trump's going to use this to his advantage, because either way, he was going to rile his base up. Well, he's already done it, right? It took, what, a day? (laughs) And these quotes come out about, if you're not standing for the anthem, you shouldn't even be in this country. So, yeah, here we are again, right where we were several months ago, exactly where we wanted to be. And it'll get revved up again, so this is just a little preview here. So we all have that to look forward to. Matt, as for the Pirates, I'm a little 
irritated with the way the last nine games went. I, I thought, okay, go six and three, seven and two, and you put yourself in a really good position. And of course, they don't even go over five hundred. They go four and five, and a couple of devastating losses along the way. I'm not saying that they're not going to be able to right the ship, but this is certainly them taking on water. It's been a weird team, and I wrote about this on Pirates Prospects, but I'll, I'll reiterate it here. If you told me that Gregory Polanco, Josh Bell, and, and Jamison Tyon were all underperforming, I would have thought they'd be under 500 and out of it by Memorial Day, but they're not. Certain veterans have stepped up, like Cervelli's having a great season. Trevor Williams, who I didn't have much expectation for, is suddenly maybe their most reliable starting pitcher. Um, it, it doesn't feel all like smoke and mirrors, but there are certain aspects to it that that make you question whether this team is legit and whether they can hang in. Their saving grace all year has been their play against the division, and even that went away in Cincinnati this past week, so they finally lost a, a series to a division rival, and it happened to be the worst team in the division. But all that means is that they still have the, the better teams of the NL Central coming up. Um, so I don't know how much to read into this past week or week plus. I do know that there is a decision point coming here with Gregory Polanco and Austin Meadows, and credit to Meadows for coming out of the gate like this. I didn't necessarily expect that. So, yeah, it all comes back to the expectation game and, and where we are. They're ahead of expectations, uh, as far as I'm concerned, as a team and where they are in the standings. But they're about to be tested more than they have so far this season. So a nice first two months, no doubt. But there's still so much to go here before we can really get a, an idea of whether this team is an actual contender here this year. Last thing here for you, Geica. Capitals? Golden Knights. I don't have a feel for this thing at all. I really don't. <laughs> well, I've picked against the Capitals in all three rounds. Yeah. So, far. <laughs> so yeah, I don't have much of a, of a feel on the east side. On the west side, yeah, I'd like Vegas to win the first two rounds. I thought they were better than the Kings. It was a toss-up against the Sharks, and I gave it to them. Um, I can't believe they got rid of the Jets in five games. That, that's still confuses me. Maybe it's just fatigue for Winnipeg, and they didn't have enough left after battling through Nashville in the second round. But the Knights are for real, and they had more scoring chances against uh, against the Jets than they gave up, so mm-hmm. it's not like they lucked into that series win. Uh, they score a lot off the rush. We know how good Flurry's been playing, but it's not just him. It's, it's a team that's relentless, and it's how they won in the regular season. They play the speed game to a team. And he even got contributions from a fourth line that looked like maybe the worst one in hockey uh, coming into the playoffs, at least. Worst one in the playoffs, I would say. Ryan Reeves scores the winner. Things are going your way. Will that continue? Um, I don't know, because Washington has defied expectations here, too, on on the east side. But um, I keep coming back to depth, and at least in the top three lines, I love Vegas' uh, style of play, and I love what they do. And um, and I, I don't think there's anything about Flurry's play that's been a fluke. Yeah, he's had a couple of posts, but what goalie doesn't? Sure. At times, yeah, he's uh, he's reached his potential at age yeah. 33. If you want to put yeah. it that way, so I'm picking Vegas in seven. I'm going to roll with him here. Love it, and I'd like to see that happen. Uh, Ovechkin's a hell of a player, but I'm a Penguins fan, and as a Penguins fan, above a hockey fan, I would rather not see Washington <laughs> hoist that thing. Uh, Matt, I do think you made a really good point. Uh, as it relates to Winnipeg being gassed, that series against the Preds was kind of billed as the cup final. And then John Cooper on the other side, he talked about how important it was for his team to beat Boston and how they thought that they had jumped over that hurdle because they had lost to them a couple of times and they thought that they were the cream of the crop. And I wonder if the same thing 
happen to them. Uh, thanks a lot for your time, buddy. As always, uh, enjoy your kilbasa, kilbasi, whatever, with the Geikies. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, I hope, friend. I plan on making it kilbasi, plural, because I'll be eating quite a bit. You yeah, know baby. <laughs> Take care, pal. There, we go. there yep. he goes, Matt Geika, who, of course, writes for PiratesProspects.com, co-owner of PittsburghHockeyNow.com. Guys in all kind of different outlets here. Uh, he's doing ball. He's doing puck. He's doing bossy. Coming up at 440, it's around the bags, baby. Woo! And we got to get down to business when it comes to the cookout Twitter poll. But before that, we're going to hear from Jerry Dulac in the break. I'm not going to tell you when, but you're going to want to hear from him. It's a Crowley Show. Oh, boy, things have taken a turn here on the interwebs. Uh, I'm a little bit nervous here. Uh, This conflict's making me uncomfortable. I tweeted out at underscore Adam Crowley, unsponsored Twitter poll. Best cookout food, main course category, dogs, burgers, kibasi, or pork shoulder. Brian felt the need to add pork shoulder because he is a dignified human. And the rest of us are just peasants, apparently. Side dish category, baked beans, potato salad, coleslaw, corn on the cob. Shirtless Tom, I'm going to give you the opportunity to guess which is leading in both categories, and then I'm going to give you the opportunity to state your case for one or the other. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. And I will read them again for you. Best cookout food, main course, dogs, burgers, kibasi, pork shoulder. Which one is leading right now? I'm going to go with pork shoulder. It's not. It's not winning. It's not. I'm, I'm very proud that it's not winning. Which is your favorite? Burgers. Burgers is leading. 56%. Pork shoulder's coming in a dead last at 10%. I Good. thought they were going to blow everyone else out of the water. Me too. But this is Pittsburgh, man. And in Pittsburgh, we don't need that fancy stuff. It's a great point. Uh, Brian's a Baltimore guy. He's been all over the country. I've never left the damn state, so what do I know? He but doesn't know what we're about here. He doesn't know what we're about here. Burgers now up 58%, so they're kicking ass. I, though... Ah, uh, it's so hard. Burger's not your favorite. It's so hard! This is what sports radio is all about. Tough decisions, arguments for one over the other. I'd go with burgers because you can put more on them. I'm a big hot dog fan, though. But see, they kind of work together, too. You can have a burger and a dog, and they complement each other really well. Well, that's the nuance that's missing from sports radio, and we don't allow that on our no, Twitter poll. You're right, sorry. No. Because I'm never having a, a a dog without a burger. I've had burgers without dogs, but it does not go the other way around. Yeah. If there are hot dogs at a party, there's also burgers. But you can go to a restaurant and order, order a burger and not get a dog. Burgers, though, you can load up with tomatoes, and you can throw some lettuce, a little mustard, a little ketchup, a little onions on there, sometimes bacon, different kinds of cheese. Cheese is huge. Dogs, for a cookout, you ain't doing chili. It's not happening at this time of the year. I think that's more of a winter thing. So you're pretty much looking at relish, ketchup, mustard, onions. That's it. Is there anything else I'm missing? I guess you could put the grilled peppers on there. But I think that the burger can take many forms. I think that the dog only has a couple of different iterations there. So that's what I'm going with. Best cookout food side dish. Which one is leading, Tom? Baked beans, potato salad, coleslaw, or corn on the cup? I'm going to say that the one that's leading is going to be potato salad. 
but the one that should be in first place is Corn on the Cob. Corn on the Cob is in first nice. place. Nice. Potato salad is in second place. I love potato salad. Potato salad's pretty good. It's so good. It's potatoes. It's not really salad. There's a kind of mayo up in there. But it's a nice cool down. Yes. When you when you get a big bite out of your burger or your dog, you get the cool down. Corn of the cob, though, is just effing delicious. Are you one of the people who sticks the things in the sides, rubs it in the butter and the salt, and then goes to town like a monster? I used to do the corn holders when I was a kid, but now it's just grab it yeah. from the sides with my hands raw and just go to town. Oh, you go raw on that I go knob? raw on that knob, yeah. Or cob, I suppose I should have said. It's the same thing. When I was younger, I used to do that. I used to do that. I used to shove it on both sides and then eat it. And now, it, now, okay. One more question on the cob, and I want people to weigh in four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Are you somebody who bites in a straight line, or are you turning that thing all around like somebody who doesn't know how to use a Rubik's cube? It's a rotation. Yeah, you have, you got to have a rotation when you're eating your corn on the cob. When I was a kid, I felt like it took me forever to eat corn on the cob. But now it's gone in 15 seconds. It's how many, depressing. How many cobs can you put down, too? I mean, it's endless, right? Like, you can eat oh, five to six and not feel a thing. Funny thing about those cobs, Tom, they don't really add any nutritional value whatsoever. Uh, your body doesn't digest corn very well. So that's why it comes out on the other end looking the way it looks. I didn't have any corn. Here's the real thing, though. The reality of this situation. I like everything that's listed here. Everything. I, I'm a big kibasi guy. Uh, big burger guy. Big dog guy. Love potato salad. Love coleslaw. In Pittsburgh, thought that would get a bigger play. But I also think baked beans is the way to go, too. Get a dog and some baked beans on the side. See, baked beans go more with the hot dog to me than they would with, like, a burger, though. Do you know what I mean? If I'm going with a burger, then I'd go with probably the corn on the cob or the potato salad. I you feel like that complements more. And you have to wash it all down with a cool pilsner, yes? Oh, yes. Oh, my God. And have several before you even start eating. Oh, my God! You need to build your appetite up. Yes! Oh, cookout food after you've tipped a couple back makes it even better. Here's what's going to happen, though. Because on Sunday, I'm going to my wife's place. I'm going to have ribs. I'm going to have baked beans, potato salad, coleslaw, corn on the cob, dogs, burgers, kibasi, no pork shoulder. I'm going to have all of it other than the pork shoulder. They won't even have pork shoulder there. My mother-in-law makes the best, the best dry rub ribs you've ever had. They are so gosh damn good that my wife actually Snapchatted me yesterday when she told me like we were having a child. Vince Commonal joins us in eight minutes to talk about the Penguins potentially trading Phil Kessel. They are at least trying to trade Phil Kessel. Who else is out there that the Penguins could bring in to replace Phil Kessel? We will discuss but first, it's time to go around the bags with the biggest D-bag on the Pittsburgh Airwaves, Adam Crowley. NFL owners only get to first base with each other because they are a bunch of selfish pricks. Byers went four and five in a nine game stretch against awful teams, which is absolutely killer before this 10 game stretch against NL Central contenders. They are going to play the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Cardinals again, all in 10 games. And then they're going to play the Dodgers. Bonus Twitter poll at underscore Adam Crowley. Who wins more games? And it's already up there. At the end of the season, the Pirates or the Dodgers. Richie Incognito got to 
second base. With somebody he thought was in the CIA. Tough to send Meadows down when he's clearly one of the best 25 guys you have. Now, I have said before that I don't condone him being the guy. Instead of Gregory Polanco when Charlie Marte comes back. But at the same time, I don't need to see him develop anymore down below. I need him up here to help this team win. They're in a position to win. They're in a position to get a wild card. I want to see this guy, whether he's in the lineup or on the bench, in the major leagues. And I know I'm completely going against what I said just a week ago. But you absolutely need your best players up here. And he is, without a doubt, one of their best seven or eight players. So certainly one of their best 25. The Golden State Warriors always get just close enough to third base. But then they choke. Well, at least this year that's what's happening. And the same thing against LeBron. Mixing metaphors here. Joe Musgrove gets the start tonight against the cards. Maybe it'll change my mind on who won the Garrett Cole trade. Just kidding. That's not the case. I am not going to say the Pirates won that trade because Garrett Cole, guess what? He's going to win a Cy Young this year, or at least going to be close. At least going to be in the conversation, and the Pirates need pitching help. As for Musgrove himself, not a good starter. At least wasn't last year with Houston. Can he be this year for these Pittsburgh Pirates? You tell me. Tell me. He's going to tell us no by the way he performs. I'm telling you that right the frig now. Steph Curry was going for home. But instead, she had sex with Chris Paul. She pulled his hamstring. The Pirates will play 10 in a row against the Cardinals and the Cubs, which I said already. Yikes. You go 500 and you're okay. But if you go like 3-7, and seven, then you're in big doo-doo. And the Dodgers are in the upcoming schedule, too. They're playing a little bit better baseball. They're only five games under 500. Meanwhile, the Pirates five games over. The next 13 games will break the schedule down piece by piece. Maybe the most difficult part of the schedule for the Pirates this season thus far. Coming up next... Yadier Molina took a 102-mile-an-hour foul tip off the Johnson, and cup companies from around the world shipped him protective ball shields. The names of the companies are very funny. We'll make up our own names, and we'll hear from Vince Cominal from the point of Pittsburgh.com to talk about the possible trading of Phil Kessel. You're listening to The Crowley Show.